Welcome to the Mind Body Breakthroughs podcast, where we bring you amazing guests on the cutting edge of science, health, and business each week to share strategies that you can use to get the breakthrough you're looking for in your life. I'm your host, Dr. Nevada Gray. Joining me is my co-host, Chris Donahue. We're glad that you're joining us today. If you are enjoying our podcast, we invite you to hit the subscribe button and leave us a review. We love hearing from you. Today's episode is sponsored by the Paleo Pharmacist in the Keto Course. Have you ever wanted to learn about the ketogenic diet and how to implement a properly formulated ketogenic diet into your lifestyle? The Keto Course includes instant 30-day access to a one-hour, one-on-one consultation, a month of unlimited email support, over 75 amazing videos, and printable 14-day meal plans, along with grocery lists that will speed up your weight loss and help break stalls. To learn more, see our show notes. The views expressed on the Mind Body Breakthroughs podcast are the opinions of the hosts and guests and are not to be taken as medical advice, as the hosts and guests do not provide medical care. Information is provided for educational purposes only. You should consult your medical provider in relation to your own personal health and prior to making any changes in your diet and fitness. Michael Collins believes sugar addiction is very real and not to be taken lightly. As a person in long-term recovery for substance use disorder for over 35 years, he took a very keen interest in what sugar was doing to him and his friends in early recovery. After much research and experimentation, he quit sugar with the help of amazing mentors. He then raised two children sugar-free from the womb to six years old, and as they grew, he rewrote the rules for sugar in kids in childhood. He takes very seriously his stewardship of SugarAddiction.com and aims to provide information and community for anyone wanting to curb or quit sugar. After a successful business career online selling software and information, he decided that what really made him happy was helping people with their addictions. He has written a book on sugar detox and addiction and developed an intensive online 30-day sugar freedom challenge. A firm believer in community support to help with any issue, He has included membership in his private recovery form with the challenge. Mike is the founder of both SugarAddiction.com and QuitSugarSummit.com. His book, The Last Resort Sugar Detox, has been read by hundreds of thousands of people. And his online 30-day challenge, Sugar Freedom Challenge, has been successfully completed by thousands. We invite you to join us for the 6th annual Quit Sugar Summit that kicks off January 11th through the 17th. 2021. The summit is 100% virtual and 100% free. Assembled are over 45 of the most famous, knowledgeable, forward-thinking doctors and PhDs, scientists, researchers, and authors on the globe who will share their cutting-edge research and success working with real people at reversing diabetes, losing weight, and taking their lives back. You won't want to miss this. If you do miss this, The link will always be in the show notes where you can access this amazing summit. As always, thank you for listening today. Please subscribe and leave us a review. We love hearing from you.
Michael Collins, how are you today? Welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Nevada. Thank you for having me. It's an honor. I appreciate it. Yes, I've been looking forward to this. Uh, there's a hot topic called sugar and cob addiction right now. So many people are talking about this, having a realization that they may be having an issue with this. And you have quite uh, the experience with this topic. You've been sugar-free for 30 years. You're the chairman of the board of the Food Addiction Institute. And you've helped thousands upon thousands of people ravaged by substance use disorders. Mm -hmm. So for those of our listeners that may not be familiar with you, can you uh, open our podcast by sharing a little bit about your journey and how you got to where you are today? Sure, I'd love to. Thanks. Um, I do have the podcast version. It's a little uh, encapsulated here. But, you know, I grew up as a regular kid, pretty much. I mean, I thought it was everyone. But I didn't realize that really my mom was a sugar junkie. Uh, she loved sugar. It's a sad story. But her mom died when she was eight, only eight years old. And they made a little arrangement. They owned the country store across the way. And then anytime my mom came in there, they could uh, just give her the candy and put it on their account. So it was, uh, you know, it was a great gesture for someone, you know, a young child who'd lost their parent. But, you know, she didn't realize the science wasn't out then. And so she realized that, or that, you know, she thought genuinely deep in her soul that sugar was love. Okay. And that's how we grew up. We had un unfettered access to the sugar bowl. We, we would do the cornflakes or the, the Cheerios and have a half an inch of sugar we'd scrape out. And she had a stash of candy. We always knew where it was. And we grew up with candy and cookies and um, bacon cookies every Saturday and cookie dough before cookie dough was cool. I mean, we it was uh, basically a sugar-soaked household. And back then, and this will be important later as we talk, that uh, I didn't realize that um, sugar was changing my state. I didn't realize that I was um, getting a little bit of an elevated boost in self-esteem and feeling better when I was angry or hurt or lonely. I would go to the sugar. My mom kind of trained me that way. And I think most moms do when they, you know, they're busy, they have a life. So they, they kind of give you a cookie and head you towards the TV instead of getting down and giving you a hug and finding out what's wrong. So most of society grew up using this as an emotional management tool. Well, fast forward, you know, a candy filled childhood to 14, 15 years old. And I discovered beer and alcohol and whatever. And I knew that changed my state. I consciously knew that if I drank alcohol, I could talk to girls. I wasn't shy. I felt better. I didn't feel as uh, insecure, all these kind of things. And so and I can answer any questions about that, but we'll stick it with the sugar. You know, fast forward, that party ended when I was 28 and I got sober. But what happened when I got sober, uh, Nevada, was simple. I just went back to the sugar, okay, as did most of my recovering friends. And I'm a thin athletic guy, and I gained 20 pounds in like uh, 60 days. And so did my compadres, but they didn't stop. A lot of them gained 50 or 100 pounds and started getting diabetes diagnosis. So I decided that I wanted to stay healthy. I was an athlete. I was a younger. But, um, and so I started researching. There wasn't anything out there except this one book, Sugar Blues. And Sugar Blues is pretty interesting in that it uh, was written by a guy who eventually married Gloria Swanson the uh, famous movie star. And so they promoted this book pretty heavily because she was really into it. They met at a party where she said, I would, she was, he was putting two lumps of sugar in his coffee. 
and he said, she said, from behind, I wouldn't have that stuff in my house, let alone my body. And so they went on, like I said, to promote the book. And uh, I just got it in my head. And I don't know really where I'd been sober two or three years at that time. And I, I just decided I was going to quit. And then I got married. And I somehow talked my wife at the time into having a, ch a child. But it ended up as two, who was twins. Um, with no sugar in the womb, no flour, no caffeine in the womb. To, and until they were six years old, we kept it up. We... We, we we slipped a little at six and we never had it in the house but after that we let them have sugar at outside birthday parties but for most for the most of their childhood they were pretty much uh, sugar free but 100% sugar free till they were six and so I went on to have a regular life like a business career and a life and and you know whatever in business and uh, about 10 years ago I picked up the domain sugaraddiction.com and I started giving the best information out there I mean it was the best that I could come up with at the time in researching and curating the information. And so nothing real. I mean, some people took the information and ran with it. But for the most part, it wasn't until about three years ago when I started coaching and doing online support groups or support groups in general uh, that people really started to get success. And I've come to believe that the support groups are, are, are really important in the journey because we're still outliers, right, Nevada? I mean, look. Like you say you're going to quit drinking. All right. Great job. Oh, you're going to quit smoking. Oh, congratulations. You tell folks you're going to quit sugar. and they're going, Are you crazy? You know, they just want you to moderate. And I, we may have this discussion, you know, like people think that they can moderate like all the diet things. And even sadly, the eating disorder folks believe that you can moderate a little bit. But biochemically, some people can't. They just can't. And uh, I've found that over the years. So. Anyway, that's the short version. That's how I got here. And uh, I'm, you know, now it's turned into my, I'm kind of semi-retired. And this is kind of my full-time gig. So I'm, 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 I'm kind of liking it. So, Yes, and you're doing amazing work. And one of the most striking things that you just said was sugar as an emotional management tool. Mm -hmm. And almost as a gateway for other substances. And mm -hmm. as a society, we've become a society that turns to outside gratification mm. to manage what's going on inside, whether it be a drug, um, an addictive substance, um, illicit drug, or even food. And we're using this to manage because in pharmacy, we know our body has the homeostasis without any outside influence in that closed system. And it runs perfectly within its biochemical operating system. But as soon as you start introducing outside forces in, into the body, the body will upregulate and uh, or downregulate receptors and our chemistry completely changes. So with some people that may lack the awareness of the way that food is impacting them, biochemistry such as sugar, um, can you peel back the layers for what does sugar addiction look and feel like and what is sugar doing in our body? Yeah, no, that's a great question. And, and it has two parts. It's interesting, you know, that I'm talking to a pharmacist because this is my recent fascination here is the last five years, the science, and this is the core of our work, the science has exploded around the brain chemicals, uh, dopamine, as you mentioned, serotonin. Uh, norepinephrine, GABA, uh, oxytocin, the big bonding chemical, the real important one, and even your adrenal glands are literally uh, hijacked and 
uh, you mentioned it earlier when we were talking, they're down-regulated. Your dopamine uh, receptors are down-regulated, thinned out. You have less of them. So your nucleus accumbens, your brain reward chemicals, are just fried out. They're, they're played with. They're manually manipulated by this drug. And we all know what's going on in the body. This is just common knowledge today. Finally, thank God. Uh, uh, thank goodness that you know, we know that the glucose elevation is causing me metabolic syndrome, insulin resistance, um, obesity, uh, heart disease, diabetes, uh, uh, like they're calling Alzheimer's diabetes three because the majority of people who get Alzheimer's have a, it's insanely higher when you have diabetes or when you have metabolic syndrome. So all of this in the body and you, you know, just to split it in parts or for the folks that a table sugar molecule is half fructose and half glucose, right? So like I said, we know what's going on in the body, but I think that the science of getting into this mess that we got ourselves into uh, with the high fructose corn syrup in the 80s and, and getting out of this is based in the fructose and the brain chemicals and the nucleus accumbens. That I believe to be the knowledge that is not out there in the world in a big way, okay? And if when people start to grasp it, when they start to understand exactly what's going on, that the, the, the uh, analogies to drug, uh, substance use disorder, drug addiction, begin to come up, right? Because if you put someone in an MRI and you give them alcohol or you give them uh, heroin or you give them cocaine, the same exact uh, brain uh, spots light up with the sugar, okay? And literally, the uh, the food producers are weaponizing this against us. They're sliding people into MRIs and watching their brain chemical, their brains and scans light up and see what this product is doing. It's It's kind of terrifying, actually. And so once people start to realize that they have used this drug, this, this fructose, as a, a psychoactive drug, as a management tool since childhood, probably maybe in the womb and before, um, and they start to realize that they're not really craving a sweet product. They're craving a dopamine hit, okay? And the SSRIs that you, I'm sure, are very familiar with, are manipulated and we've had so many people and again we have to clarify that we're not I'm not a doctor and I'm not you are but I'm not a doctor and and I can't um, you know I'm not a therapist but I've had so many people you know anecdotally if you will you can call it that call it whatever you want but they have gotten off their SSRIs because and with their doctor's help not not me it was they went to their doctor because six months, eight months, a year into sugar, they felt like they didn't, or sugar abstinence, they felt like they didn't need them anymore. And so it's like amazing things have happened to folks' mood, their motivation, all of these things that are more centered in this calories in, calories out thing that people talk about with the glucose. So yeah, the, the fructose is the, the thing that needs to be get, get out there in, in society. Yes, and that's very interesting, too, because there's also that impact on metabolic health and the mood and people using this as, and, you know, the again, the emotional management issue. And how, 
there's we know with um, substance abuse, there's a physical withdrawal. There's also we can see that with sugar. Uh, there's the keto flu that mm. it may be theorized that that could be related uh, to the, the physical withdrawal of sugar. But there's also that emotional detox. Right. And I guess my question to you is, is it possible to heal uh, from uh, from sugar once it's withdrawn? Does the body heal? Yeah, and there's a debate on whether or not, you know, how how the dopamine receptors come back or not, you know, but I think it I think they do heal up. I mean, again, there's that's still in up for debate and that's why I think there's no diagnostic tool that we can prove that this happens. But people report over, you know, 6 months, 8 months, a year, 10 or longer that they come to a place where they feel a calm, right? Now think about it, right? You take a little alcohol, you take a little heroin, you take a little al- little uh, cocaine or whatever. But we're pounding, you know, you know more than anyone, the dose makes the poison, right? And we're pounding 20 teaspoons average. That's every baby, child, man, and woman average. So think about people who have a heavy sugar habit or, or obese or whatever. There are 30 and 40 teaspoons a day, probably since they were a baby. They've never had an opportunity to not have their brain chemicals toyed with, manually manipulated by this substance. And so when they, they're almost basically in flight or flight their whole life. They're, they're jacked up on this stuff. And not only jacked up, they have grooved neural pathways in their brain that um, say hurt, sugar, worry, sugar, afraid, sugar, sad, sugar. And so they're just looking, again, they're not looking for a sweet taste. They're looking for relief from this, whatever this emotion is going on that they've basically trained themselves and their parents helped train them into using as a, uh, you know, reward chemical for them. And that's the part that is just not known. And that's kind of sad, really. And and it, it's really, I, it's not sad because it's really only exploded science-wise in the last five years. And so when we get that info out, it'll be much different. And one of the things that you've researched that I find absolutely fascinating, because there are so many uh, anecdotal reports of improvement in mood and decrease in cravings with a simple change of diet, specifically prioritizing protein in a more meat-based approach. And you have some research regarding some amino acids. And I was just wondering if you could share what you've learned. Yeah, this is a, a field that's exploding. Um, and uh, I'm taking some training now. And they're, they're finding that, you know, uh, people, they basically need a brain rehab. I mean, this is the best, best way to put it. You know, like someone needs a physical rehab when they break their leg or whatever. They need a brain rehab, which is they're deficient in quite a few things, you know, um, and these uh, amino acids, and you're familiar with them in tryptophan, L-glutamine, uh, tyrosine, you know, dif- different ones. The hard part with it is that um, it's pretty specialized. Uh, it's pretty, you know, you have to, you have to take, you have to be uh, pretty well schooled to give them the right stuff. And there's some uh, counter, what's the, what, what counter, uh, you can't you can't use them with some things. You can't use them when you're pregnant. There's a few different things. 
Contraindications. Contraindications. There you go. I knew yes. there was. I, I knew there was a. A, a, a pharmacy word I could get out there. Uh, yeah, it's a counterindication that you can't use them with different things. So you have to, it has to be, but there's a lot of research that this is, and a lot of people coming up in the field and they're on our summits that um, are very educated and they've worked with 5,000, some of them 5,000 people. And sometimes it works like that fast. They put it on their tongue and they all of a sudden they feel better because basically they um, they're depleted in a lot of these things, you know, and so these amino acids have showing great, great promise. And we're working like now, like around the clock, trying to figure out how we can make this more generalized. In other words, we could get like a multivitamin for this. But for now, it's still very, uh, each person has to be tested and there's different ways that you crave and different um there's just different ways that need to be addressed, and that's it's a little bit more complicated. But there's a lot of lot in that in the future of that, a lot in the future of that. Yes, because I I've honestly never met anybody, uh, myself included, that wants to be obese or right. wants to have an addiction. And mm. a lot of times, one of the things I find the most fascinating that I'm hearing is, um, you know, people will tell me. Uh, especially, um, you know, whether it's a, an illicit substance that they're addicted to, or even the sugar that they don't even derive pleasure from it, that mm. they're, they're just, they, they need the drug or they need the sugar. Uh, but they, there's really no pleasure from it. Mm. It's just, they need it for their, their body or their mind to operate, which, mm. which I find, you know, really fascinating, which brings us to the topic of abstaining or moderating is is it possible to moderate what's what's your opinion on that wow there's the sixty four thousand dollar question i know i'm dating myself with that show but um do i have to do this for the rest of my life <laughs> that's the question everyone always asks and the answer is maybe okay and here's the thing so I believe, and the people at the Food Addiction uh, Institute who, who've studied tens of thousands of people and helped re people recover from late stage food addiction. I'm talking people two and 300 pounds overweight, you know, uh, people who have got, fallen to a right size body and then had the choice of uh, cheat days or uh, moderating, right? They don't. They choose not to because they can't. Okay, they physically, biochemically cannot ingest this product without setting up massive cravings that lead nowhere good uh, to a binge or, you know, literally gone for six months and, and gaining weight. I mean, the science is very clear. It's almost lore uh, where and there's a CDC, CDC study on the biggest loser and there's all kinds of other studies that most people, 90 plus percent, I think it's closer to 95% of people who lose any amount of weight, gain it all back and then some in the first year, right? And obviously it's a diet that has uh, talked, to them, talked to them about reducing the white stuff, like flour, sugar, carbs, white stuff, whatever. And so, and what they're missing, the part that they're missing is the things that we've been talking about is that they are not focusing on uh, the brain reward chemicals. They're not focusing on the behavior changes, the emotional changes caused by the drug in their body. Now, 
There's another third of people that have harmful use, what I call harmful use. Now, those folks, they may not be that one third of people, and these track very almost identical to the obesity numbers, a third over, a third obese, a, you know, two thirds overweight and a third normal. But the last, remember the last part, I'll, I want to come back because it doesn't matter if you're normal here, if you're normal weight, quote unquote, because you could still be a se severe sugar addict at, at a normal weight. And so the second group of people have harmful use folks, I call it push addiction personally. It's a, it's a, something I just use because if you push enough sugar through your body, it's going to have the detrimental effects, period, end of story. But those people, and about, I'd say, 50% of all the sugar educators on our summits or that I've ever spoken to, once they have this period of abstinence, I personally don't choose to do it, okay? I'm, I'm an abstinence-based guy, came up, ab, I, you know, I'm fine with it. But some people choose to have a little sugar on their birthday, choose to have a little sugar at Christmas, and they can do it without being thrown back into uh, daily use or obsessive use. So that group of harmful users can go either way, right? And then there's the kind of normal people that you talk about, like they can leave it, come, take it or leave it. They can see a, a half a cupcake and never eat it. They can, they can sit in their refrigerator or they can have a candy bar in their cupboard for, for months and then no, nobody ever eat it. And those people always amaze me, right? But like I said, I wanted to come back to there's something where some people are very thin or very normal or athletic looking or whatever, but they have serious, serious uh, fatty liver and sugar addiction. They can't quit. We've had many ultra marathoners. I've had an Olympic athlete uh, who was not overweight by any means. She was placed in the Olympics, and but she could not put the sugar down. And so it doesn't really matter what your body size is, but what matters is, is what that compulsion is when you ingest the stuff, right? And if you have to continue uh, and you can't stop when you have one, one's not enough in thousand, one's too many in a thousand, never enough kind of thing, then you have to look at it. You have to be an adult about it. And, and it's scary and, and it sucks, but you really do have to um, come to the understanding that maybe your body doesn't handle sugar well. And... That's about as nice as I, you know, as gentle as I can put it. And if you fall into that, that category. And that's truly where the mental game kind of comes into play. Um, I'm a huge fan of David Goggins. I'm not sure if you know who he I is. He wrote the book, You Can't Hurt Me. And he talks about callousing your mind. Mm. And for people like that. that have lost the weight, for example, me, I've lost 92 pounds. Now I'm in the mind game. I'm in callousing my mind to be able to maintain that. Mm. And that's where, you know, people can get off track by having that piece of birthday cake or that one food item that where they just spiral. And I was just wondering what your thoughts were as far as strategies for people when they're in that moment strategies they can take to immediately start to rewire their brain to get that dopamine hit in other ways that may not involve food? Mm, great question. And that's at the core of our work. We call it the sugar cravings interruption technique, um, formerly known as the emotional interruption technique. So basically when you have a sugar craving, as we've mentioned, 
what's going on is that you're not looking for cake or cookies or anything like that. What you're looking for is a dopamine hit, a serotonin hit, a an oxytocin. You know, you're looking to play with your own brain chemicals, your own brain reward chemicals, things that were evolved over millions of years to help us survive sex and food and, you know, all of these little systems, these brain reward things were, were created to, to help us to survive as a species, right? And so what you need to do is you need to understand it. You need to cleave apart those things, right? So, yeah, I mean, it's just, um, I forgot the question, but I, I, I mean, I, I say it again one more time. I, what, what are some things that we can do when we're in that moment after oh, we, yeah, yeah. we have had the yeah. food yeah. and our brain goes back to those ancient right. wiring pathways right. after we've spent time losing weight? What can we do that may not involve food, a strategy that will keep our brain rewiring in the right direction away right. from the addictive substance? Yeah, so the sugar cravings interruption stuff is basically what you're what's happening is you're looking for that dopamine hit. And since you've been hijacked, you've been hijacked emotionally, you have to, most of the things that I mentioned require effort, okay? Go look at a sunset, get a hug, uh, take a walk, walk the dog, go to yoga, call a friend, things that would naturally get a massage, things that would naturally stimulate dopamine and the other brain reward chemicals have to be substituted during and replaced for almost identically the cravings. So when you have the cravings, you do something different and, and you do it every time. And sometimes in the first couple months or weeks or days, it's like every hour you gotta do something different. You gotta go for another walk, you gotta go for a hot bath again, you gotta da da da. You've gotta change your emotional management system into something that requires an effort. You can't sit on the couch and expect to ingest a product to play with that uh, craving and make it go away. You've got to get up and substitute it. And that process walks you out of it. That process will walk you out of it. What happens with all of the other sugar detoxes on the market is they try to make these pretty foods that used to be made with sugar and they try to make them and they sell their diet books to you so that they can, you know, but when the brain gets that hit, even if it's a, a artificial stevia or something like that, it's like it starts to, it's wired, that that neural pathway is wired to be seeking more, right? Back in the day, we would seek fruit uh, because there's nothing in nature poisonous that has fructose in it. And it gave us that little hit, but there was such a small amount in fruit or honey and it's so dangerous to get the honey and so only once a year with the fruit. So it wasn't a problem for the body, but today it is a problem and it also is not natural. It's a drug, it's a reduced to a white powder. And so until you be able, you're able to separate out the, um, this, this, this make me feel better thought process. It's not even, you don't have that consciously, that's an unconscious thing. Because you've done it since you were a baby. You said, worry, scared, blah, blah, blah. And then you, you ingested sugar. Until during detox, you actually consciously do something different and substitute. And you substitute the food, too, because you will get some dopamine release from whole food, good whole food, good meats products, good 
the seafood and vegetables, green vegetables, you know, you use different foods, you'll get a little dopamine. So that's a beginning of the process, but there's more to it because in between meals, you're still going to have the cravings. So you got to jump in there and you've got to, um, uh, do all the things that I mentioned. We call it self-care and self-care sounds simple, but most people are not used to that type of self-care. They're not used to a method where they have to exert some energy to get the reward. And the reward is not always immediately conscious. It's not like you're going out for the runner's high, right? You're not going out and, and coming back with a little bit of a buzz. Sometimes, like I said, it's as simple as looking at the sunset or, or getting a hug. So, yeah, there's a, it, it's a, and that's why you need a guide. You need someone who doesn't think you're crazy because uh, we're still outliers a little bit, right? I mean, we're not, people that are trying to quit sugar are not, uh, or not in the majority, put it that way. Yes, it's definitely an up-and-coming topic where people are speaking on it more and coming out and saying, yes, I, I have a problem. I can't control my appetite. I can't control my cravings for sugar. You see this all the time in the support groups for a ketogenic diet, low-carb, paleo. Mm. Um, you, you try to go to a more, uh, quote, quote, whole foods approach mm -hmm. but there is that detox the body withdraws from that physically and emotionally and you've given us some great strategies for things uh, that we can do for that as far as the physical detox what what are some strategies that you found um, help your clients yeah i mean first of all we have to kind of put out there that the, the physical withdrawals are real they're very real i mean and most people go back or turn back. I just got off a coaching call a second ago uh, before you we talked. Um, this guy's on day 21, and it is a guy, strangely enough. Um, and he's just flipping out, you know. And he's still in the middle of physical withdrawals. And he can't get out of bed. He's lethargic. He's, you know, brain fogged. He couldn't do his meeting for work. He's like, um, and we can't figure, we can't expect that we can get out of this thing in 21 days after we've been in in, he, in his case more than 21 years you know and probably 31 or 40 i don't know how old the guy is but you know he's been 30 40 years into this thing and you can't expect it to just turn around right the physical uh, withdrawals are real now look i want folks to realize this is more like nicotine withdrawals than it is heroin withdrawals or, or the dts with alcohol withdrawals but it's still nasty and i always say folks look if you quit flour sugar and caffeine if you adopt the uh no moderation method and you will literally be incapacitated days three four or five if you had a decent habit of any kind of all three of those chemicals you will be in rough shape and when i say rough shape you know, you're, you better have somebody helping out at the parenting level. You better have somebody helping out at the work level. And, you know, you should be resting. And so first thing, just realize that it's real and it's going to happen. And that this blue, this depressed feeling is not something you need to run off and get another chemical for. This is just your body adjusting to not being able to manually manipulate and get a squirt of dopamine. And you've got to work for it and you've got to rest up and hydrate, right? So the main thing is that to know it's coming and know there's people you can talk to and to ask about crazy symptoms. We have on our one of our summits now the uh, founder of the Hypoglycemia Foundation. Uh, she's been at it 40 years, right? And when she first got 
uh, not diagnosed because they didn't diagnose. They gave her electroshock therapy, electroshock therapy, right? I mean, it was this was 40 years ago, but 30 something, you know, 42 or three years ago. But anyway, what I'm getting at is that there are, you know, some people faint, some people, I mean, there are some real, and the, the hunger, oh my God, people just, you're starving. You're starving because you've co-opted this delivery system. You know, we talk, you talk about delivery system in the drug world, right? Delivery system has been shared with your real food. The drug food goes down the same place. It's adopted because I think the biggest curse the universe or God or whoever put on us is that sugar it tastes sweet. There's a taste to it that is acceptable. And I think, like I said, it, it evolved from the fructose thing in nature. But you've got to be able to realize that you've got to separate out drug food or drug-like food from real food and stop using the same delivery system for um, the drug food and use it only for whole foods, right? So there's a lot to it, but mainly is to realize that um, it will pass. It's not forever. And it does take some time to get to the other side. And and I keep, I'm not exaggerating. I, there's a new symptom, a uh, new withdrawal characteristic that surfaces every day on the forums that we have. I mean, it's like, have, have you ever heard of this? Have you ever heard? I'm like, no, but oh, like there'll be uh, acne, like you'll, you'll, all of a sudden you'll get a burst of acne that will also go away because you're now, you know, other toxins are coming out. You know, first in, first out, right? I mean, one of the symptoms of pre-diabetes is frequent urination. Diabetes too, diabetes in general too, diabetes too is frequent urination. It's just the body trying to push the sugar out, right? People can't sleep through the night. They pee two and three and four times a night, right? Three and four times, five times a night. They don't get any good sleep. When they stop using sugar, that goes away. And they're like, whoa, they're amazed. So the constellation of physical symptoms are incredible. I mean, just never ending too. And so you don't know, there's no way to know what you're going to feel like during it. You're going to have a lot of these. Um, and, you know, you need to get to the other side so you can test on a, I like to say test on a clean body. I call it a scratch test. You know what a scratch test is? Like you go to the, the they give you the allergy, uh, they scratch you for pollen and ragweed and dust and mites and all that, whatever. Well, this, uh, the scratch test here is simply give yourself 60 or 90 days with no sugar and see what your body does, right? But be forewarned that going through the first 30 is going to be a little rough. <laughs> I, I don't want to, and I've been searching for another better word. I don't want to sugarcoat it, but that's what happens. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it definitely is rough, especially where you've been inputting this other substance into your body that's not natural to the operating system so the body you're telling your body don't you don't need to make this so all the receptors get down regulated and then yeah. when you withdraw it the body has been told well i don't need to make it so need to stimulate your body okay i i need to now make this substance and there is that um lag time and there is that withdrawal period that you know not to sugarcoat it it does suck and it's just something, you know, you kind of have to go through and manage the best that you can. But there is light on the other side, as you've said. One of the things that I find absolutely fascinating that you said, um, we talk a lot about late stage sugar addiction. 
for adults that have known sugar their entire life. And your two kids went without sugar from womb to six years old. And mm -hmm. I was just wondering if you can speak to your experience with that and any research uh, that you've come across regarding kids and sugar. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it was tough. I mean, back then, especially, there was really nobody doing that kind of thing. And uh, we fought everyone, the grandparents, uh, the schools, Montessori schools, the, um, the, the parents of the other kids. They all thought we were depriving them of some, some gift of some, uh, something that children should have to, to have a great childhood, which I just, you know, I, I'm, I've come to believe is total bunk, just total crap. We are fully responsible for feeding our children, at least through age five. They don't go shopping and they don't have access to anything. We don't give them. And so there's no reason not to do this experiment. It's, it's not, there's not a doctor in the world that says, and now the for the first time in history, three uh, American medical associations agreed, and that is uh, American Association of Pediatric Dentists, the American Association of Pediatrics, uh, I think the American Heart Association, they say no, zero sugar-sweetened beverages for children. And now they're even uh, reducing the sugar in general. Those this, the, the 21 guidelines are reducing the sugar intake for children up to two years old, from the womb to two years old. So they're finally in agreement on this, but the kid thing is, like I said, it's, it's okay if you never gave it to them, but you're in a different situation if they have had it. So now you're, whatever, three, four, five, seven, eight, nine, ten. They've had sugar. That's another project in and of itself. But here's the main uh, antidote to the problem. That is, put your own oxygen mask on first. Like they say at the airlines, kids are smart. They know exactly what's going on. My, my mom had that stash. I knew where it was. And the same thing is going on with your kids. They know they can, they can, they can smell chocolate on your breath. They know where the things are hidden. They know where it's in the wrappers. The They're buried in the grocery, in the uh, garbage. They know this stuff. And you can't expect them to do as I say and don't do as I do because they won't. They, they want to be like mom and dad. So, you know, you've got to, you got to do it. I mean, it's like if you, here's the thing, and I'm not above, matter of fact, I use it frequently as a technique of guilting parents into getting their own sugar act together is that do you want your kids to suffer the way you do with weight or whatever it is, disease or whatever, and that you know is attributed to sugar or, and, or do you want your kids or yourself, but your kids to suffer the way your parents did with Alzheimer's or heart disease or diabetes too, or whatever it is, you know, uh, so I'm not above guilting parents into this. And, and I think it's almost, <laughs> almost mandatory at this point, but I mean, I'm just trying to make folks understand that, uh, there's not a doc, like I said, not a doc in the world that's going to like let you or be okay, be wrong, say it's wrong to put your, uh, to not have, you know, let, at least reduce sugar for your kids, right? And so, yeah, the kid thing is uh, my new, not newest, because obviously I've done it, but as far as getting it out in the world, it's it's been more difficult because uh, childbearing age women are not in tune to this information. They're more older uh, women. Uh, and I don't know, I don't understand why, really. I always I always draw the analogy of uh, a substance use disorder, right? In other words, if someone finds out they're pregnant, 
I'm not exaggerating when I say this. They could really have a serious cigarette addiction or an alcohol or drug problem. They will quit those products that day, not like an hour. Like that was the last cigarette they had when they went left the doctor's office. That's it. Zero, right? But when it comes to sugar, it's almost like they um, they fall into it. They double time it because, you know, it's so cute to have a hot fudge with pickles and they're eating strange stuff and all this craziness. But, you know, my mom gained 60 pounds on my birth on a 105-pound frame. And she said basically all I ate was sugar products because she was nervous. She was scared. It was financially draining. She was young. Um, the, you know, I was the first kid that was, you know, and that's what I think parents go through. And I, I, I just, this is hard for me to say and hard for folks to get out there. But the science says that's not right. You know, that, that science says that will cause problems down the line. And we have on our, our, our summit this year, Dr. Michael Gorin, who is a mind boggling guy here at, um, in Los Angeles at USC. He's been, uh, studying childhood obesity for 30 years. He's been funded up to $50 million. Never been, he actually has the Gorin lab in, at USC here. The lab is named after the guy, right? And he just wrote a book called Sugar Proof, and it's at sugarproofkids.com, too. And this stuff is like, um, the science is here now. It's just it's not, like I said, widely available and widely understood, like the diet science, like the body science, quote-unquote, like the reduction in the glucose molecule in your body will help you with your insulin resistance and stuff. And so the kids tie right into that. And I'm, it's one of my new newer passions. I own sugarfreekids.com, and it's not up yet, but we have a Facebook page, and it's probably going to be the, the majority of the rest of my career in, in trying to get that message out. And that's very commendable, um, and I, I admire that in you. One question I have is with the replacement of sugar, especially in the ketogenic diet world, there's a lot of sugar substitutes, and some of them we know um, have substances that may spike insulin, but several of them are not known to spike insulin, uh, such as the regular uh, stevia, the um, the ingredient that's in Swerve that a lot of people use. Uh, how does that translate into sugar addiction? It may not be um, causing us a metabolic problem, but in your research, have you found that it may cause um, problems within that dopamine pathway? Absolutely. I, you know, the, uh, there's just an article out today about the diet sodas and stuff. But in our experience, <clears throat> what we're trying to do is we're trying to train the body, train the taste palate to, to understand that we need to move away from sweetness of all kinds. What you'll find if you truly give it that 90 days of abstinence is that you are, um, can't, um, macadamia nuts taste like candy, peppers are sweet, uh, carrots are sweet, Bra Brussels sprouts are sweet, uh, kale is sweet for God's sakes. It's crazy. Your, your taste buds completely change. And you move away from it. And people don't like when I do my drug analogies, but, you know, you're always looking to up the ante here. Like if you're drinking beer, you're looking for whiskey. If you're drinking whiskey, you're looking for cocaine, whatever. And the same thing applies. Like if you are eating bread and you're only getting the glucose hit, like Pavlov's dogs, you're thinking, well, you know, that usually comes with a bigger dopamine hit. And now you're feeling for looking for sugar. Okay. You're looking for some fructose on that side, right? 
and you're looking for a sugar sweetened beverage or some candy or whatever. And so people don't really kind of put those two and two together. You know, they just do not uh, associate them. And when they do, when they finally do, then they get well. So, yeah. Yes, I couldn't not ask that question because I, I know our listeners would be wondering that throughout the podcast. So thank you so much for answering that. Um, one of the things I'm really excited about is your Quit Sugar Summit that you have uh, mm. coming up. I think this is a phenomenal opportunity for people to learn about this topic, learn about the science of it, strategies, and understand what's going on within themselves. And I was just wondering if you could let our listeners know what the Quit Sugar Summit is, uh, when it's available, and how they can get tickets. Yeah, for sure. The summit's awesome. I mean, I've, you know, we've interviewed, this will be our sixth year. It's January 11th, 2021. And we have literally a who's who of every sugar educator you can imagine on there. And they can just go to quitsugarsummit.com and just, just give us your email. It's a free event. It's five days of the best science you'll ever you know, encounter, the best coaches you'll ever encounter, the best sugar addiction educators you'll ever encounter. Robert Lustig, who's the de facto leader of all this, uh, his, his video, uh, The Bitter Truth, came out 10 or 11 years ago, went to a million, now it's almost at 11 million views, just this 90-minute lecture. Uh, he's got a book coming out we talk about extensively called Metabolic, Metabolical, very cool name. And uh, Gary Taubes, who wrote uh, uh, Why We Get Fat and The Case Against Sugar, is on. Uh, Judy Collins, the famous singer, is on. I mean, she's like, uh, she's 80-something years old, and she has a great film or a, a audio library of songs and hits. But she really wants this to be part of her legacy, where she's, she wrote a book called Cravings, and it's awesome, and she wants to talk, she, she talks about it. And we have Dr. Gary Fetke, and we have um, uh, uh, the Australian Man of the Year, who is an ophthalmologist who has a uh, nonprofit for you know reducing glaucoma or you know reducing uh, blindness through diabetes and that's how he got started but you know he's uh, like I said I mean he used his entire platform as the man of the year in Australia <clears throat> excuse me to rail against sugar so he's an amazing guy and it just goes on there's 50 people <clears throat> coaches everybody you can think of. And uh, just go over there and check it out. I got to get a little water. Oh, that's that's absolutely awesome. I'm I'm looking forward to the summit. I watched it last year, and it was just eye opening uh, for me. I learned a lot regarding the science and just points I never would have even thought of. Uh, what's coming up for you next, uh, Mike? Besides the summit in in 2021? Well, we're <clears throat> wow. I'm, I'm, I'm getting a frog in my throat. Um, we are uh, we are running what we're calling, we're billing as the world's largest sugar detox. Like we've done sugar detoxes monthly for years now. But this one in January is one we are billing as the world's largest sugar detox. It starts January the 4th. So uh, you've got time to sign up probably. Um, you just go to sugaraddiction.com and, and uh, go to the 30-day challenge. You'll see it. But Basically, we, you know, we've had big groups before, but we've got a new platform. We've got a lot of new enhancements, uh, Zoom meetings and forum meetings and 
obviously you get you know it's like I, it's over a hundred hours of video instruction including uh, a lot of the stuff from the summit a lot of the old speakers and whatever from our five years of doing it before and 30 days for 30 straight days i come into your inbox with the remember we talked about the pattern of all this it's like on the third day, you're going to talk about this. On the fifth day, we're going to talk. I mean, walking you through the whole thing. And then, like I said, you have the other rest of the group that you're uh, there to, is there to help you out, too. To And every we call it peer, to, you know, it came from, again, the drug and alcohol world, but it's peer recovery, peer-to-peer -peer recovery. And we give the vessel, we give the... Um, the vehicle we give the information remember the first seven years i gave the information and then the rest of the group and us and our coaches and our moderators they give the rest of the information and help you get through the first 30 days because if you can get through the 30 then physically it's not as hard right it's still like you said 100 percent right it's the mental game kicks in at, after the physical then you've got to stop you know falling backwards and using it as a crutch and you know you've got to and when you're feeling low you've got people to check in with so it's it's exciting stuff it's really fun to see the light bulb go on that's the best part you know get those emails i'm third i mean we have if you go to the website you'll see you just hit the uh, review section there's a you know we have a thousand testimonies we only got about 150 up there but we've got a thousand testimonials of people from 30 days to three years on there so you'll check it out but yeah, that's fun. Yes, and community is so important, especially we can take in the knowledge, and but applying it is a, a different story, and that's where that community support and education and just being able to connect with others that have been through it. I know that was a, a huge critical component of my own recovery um, and learning the ketogenic diet, just connecting with other people that are doing that. Um, as we close the podcast today, what would be your parting words of wisdom for uh, people that are struggling with this. The one thing that you would want everyone to know. Wow, that's a big one. I, I you know, I always, I've had that a couple times and I'm never ready for it. It's amazing. Um, so one of the things that we found, and this is interesting, I think, I, I think you'll find it interesting and your folks will, is that, um, and it's a little bit of a challenge or maybe an introspective to take a look at yourself as you're listening to this. If you've stayed on this long and this is of interest to you, is that um, what we find is the people who succeed, the people who like get through to the other side, go, fall to a right size body, get the anxiety relief, get the skin clearing up, get the brain clear. You know, these people that succeed, they're a little bit of a maverick like you, like me. Okay. They don't really give a crap what other people are thinking. They did their own research. They decided something, and they don't care if somebody in their family's not with them or for them. They're okay joining another tribe. We find that these folks are literally, like, if you trace them back to their 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 life, they're maybe the first to graduate college, the first to go to a new job or a big job, the one of the best in athletics. Um, maybe the best mother, maybe the best knitter or crocheter or runs the, you know, whatever it is, they have done well and excelled in. And in order to do that, they had to do something that was different from the tribe that they came up in, meaning they had to go outside that a little bit, reach up, reach out and, and not care about what people, the stupid stuff people say about, oh, you can have just one or you, you know, moderate, blah, blah. You know, they, they let that roll off their back. So 
pioneers. We find that the successful people are pioneers. And that's like, you know, I don't want to get all like crazy on you, but, you know, founded the America. And, you know, it's like the people who are willing to, to step out on faith and, and, and do something different are the folks that succeed. So it is a little bit of a challenge. And also it's proven for me. I mean, I've just seen it over and over and again. They're, that's the type of people, because we are, we're not so much outliers, we're pioneers. I mean, we're, we're early in this game, early in understanding this, early in taking action on it. So yeah, it's a, uh, look for, if you're a pioneer or you've done something in your life that you succeeded at, you can succeed at this. Absolutely. I 100% agree with that. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today, Mike, on uh, watch in the show notes, guys. I'm going to link everything that Mike talked about regarding the summit and as well as uh, all of his content that he has. So thank you guys so much, and we hope you enjoy the episode. Thank you for listening to the Mind Body Breakthroughs podcast. We are now available on iHeart Podcast and all of your favorite podcast listening platforms. As always, hit the subscribe button and leave us a review. We love hearing from you. If you're interested in being a guest on our podcast, send us an email. Link in the show notes.